What's up, champs? Welcome to the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Another edition on this lovely, lovely Tuesday evening. Uh, I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing on this Tuesday that I referred to earlier? Yeah, it's a, it's a fine, fine Tuesday. Uh, excited to you know get some fantasy hockey action. I, I can care about hockey this week because I'm not instantly in an enormous hole. Last week was very, I don't know, it was kind of relaxing. It was kind of, un, you know, I felt like I wanted to be excited when my players scored, but I was like, eh, it's kind of meaningless. It was kind of a nihilistic week for me. Well, welcome back to the land of the annihilators. I don't, I, I'm trying to come up with a anti-nihilism uh reference but i don't care about philosophy and i'm sure i'm not alone in saying that uh lewis we are uh, we've picked up a bit of a we're, we're going for a bit of a format shift tonight we're not doing the usual uh headlines and injuries outjury section at the beginning and we're not looking uh, at streaks in the second half instead we are kind of uh looking generally at some players who have who have had some uh, some strong performances lately some hot streaks and cold streaks kind of fo- for focusing the whole show around the streak section and and I guess uh I guess why don't you explain sort of what we're what we're hoping to do as we discuss all of these players yeah the idea here is we want to talk about some of these players and also think about you know how can we maximize our benefit from them are they guys that you just want to hold on to do you want to fish around for a trade uh, do you want to offer to to try and grab somebody off one of these? And it kind of opened the door for us not only to talk about the players who are on those streaks, uh, but also those players who we see as being you know similar enough or in the same area that you could try and and make a trade. And and incidentally, then we get to talk about those players as well. So I think it it'll be interesting. I think I hope people will enjoy it. Obviously, you can let us know at Short Shifts KK on Twitter uh, or in the Discord uh, if you are a patron of the show. Uh, and let's go ahead and get started. Um, I want to talk about one of the hottest streaks we've got going right now, which is Andre Kuzmenko, who has just been going off three goals, six assists in the last five games for nine total points. Uh, only one of those came on the power play. Kind of interesting because I think that relative lack of power play success is sort of what we've been expecting uh, from Kuzmenko as he starts to regress to the mean. His even strength stats look pretty sustainable, uh, aside from a bit of an inflated on-ice shooting percentage at 13%. Uh, maybe not even that inflated, just you know the chemistry he's found with uh, Elias Pettersson has been strong enough maybe that you know we could expect them to shoot a little bit above average. Um, but the red flag is on the power play where he's been absolutely bananas and unsustainably so. Kuzmenko scored five times on 12 shots for 41% shooting, and we can't expect for him to keep producing at that clip on the man advantage. Uh, he's doubling his individual expected goals on the power play. Uh, so I would expect we would continue to see kind of this tailing off on the power play. Uh, as we mentioned, only one of those six assists has been on the power play and none of the goals uh, over that five-game streak. You know, uh, the good news, I suppose, is that he's not getting any even strength or much in the way of even strength red flags as he racks up points next to EP40. Uh, so if you have him, I actually would just continue to ride him unless you think you could sell high on him in a league that counts power play points. So maybe they give an extra point for it or it's a separate category. That might be an area where you could reap a benefit by trading him rather than holding him. Uh, and I thought someone maybe to target would be someone like Alex Dabrinkit. 
ADBC is averaging about a point and a half fewer fantasy points per game over the last month than Kuzmenko. This is in Kukupful scoring, uh, which does not count anything extra for power play points. Um, but basically, we're looking at AK96 overperforming uh, with less ice time. Dabrinkit is averaging around you know Kuzmenko's maximum, uh, and hit to bring its minimum ice time is around Kuzmenko's average, if that makes sense. So, you know, we're seeing generally to bring it getting more ice time. He's also shooting about half of his career shooting percentage uh, and half of last year's shooting percentage. So I feel like he's likely to rebound a bit there. Uh, so I like Alex Dabrinkit as someone maybe that you could dangle Kuzmenko in front of the Dabrinkit owner and maybe get a bite. So we're talking here, I guess, a both a a sell high and a buy low opportunity is, is how you're looking at this this one. Yeah, I, w- I would guess that you would be able to get more out of Debrinket for the remainder of the season. You know, he's not likely to kind of run into a wall the way we might see with a young player like Kuzmenko. Um, he's unlikely to be, you know, shifted out of the top six at all if he, you know, even if he goes on an extended cold streak. The only issue is that, you know, Debrinket has been on a mini hot streak himself with three points in the last three games. It might have been, you know, a better chance to go after him, you know, maybe a few days ago. But obviously, Kuzmenko, still with that um, uh, streak that he's on, has got to be pretty appealing. Yeah, I, uh, I I really like Kuzmenko right now. I mean, if you have him, you probably got him off the waiver wire, in which case I, I just think that you kind of want to to hold on to that found money and and see where it goes. I don't really see a reason why he needs to cool off too much. I mean, I hear you on the the power play. Certainly, I don't expect him to shoot 40% over 80 games, but I don't know. It's like he is he's a a KHL superstar who's come over and is now playing on a, a getting great deployment with great players. I could see him just being a very, you know, could he not be a, a 75 to 80 point player, I, I guess it wouldn't shock me is, is where I'm at. Yeah, definitely. And and like you said, he's probably found money in your league. So I, I definitely understand the, the uh, urge to just sort of say, hey, I got this guy for nothing and look what he's done for me. All right, Lewis, I'm going to go over to a another hot streak, uh, this time in Buffalo. Uh, I want to talk about Jeff Skinner, a player that I did discuss a little bit with Elon last week, but Skinner has just remained incredible for another week. Five goals and eight points in his last four games, now up to 22 points in 22 games this year. Obviously a point-per-game 82-point pace over a full season. Um, which would be a big deal for Skinner. He's never exceeded a 65-point pace in his life uh, since joining the NHL, of course. Uh, obviously, when you look under the hood, um, you might guess that uh, based on how hot he's been lately, there are some you know, on-ice and individual rate percentages that are a touch high for our boy Jeffy Skins. But uh, I think if you were drafting again today, Skinner deserves to go much higher than he was preseason, where he was kind of getting drafted in that like 140 to 150 range. Um, without thinking about it too hard, I would say he's probably now a top 75 to 80 fantasy player. Um, part of that is, you know, the shot floor. He's, he's kind of the classic example of a guy who... He's going to rank ahead of other players that are in his points band because he's going to put up a better uh, – he's going to fill a couple of extra categories for you from from uh, just – you know, I guess it's the fact that he has that high shot floor that you just are – a very good strategy in terms of uh, shots correlating to points, to power play points, to goals, and, uh, you know, to assists as well. So – 
I do think that Skinner's likely to slow down from the very recent torrid pace, and as exciting as that offensive explosion is, I do think that Skinner is a bit of a sell-high opportunity right now. Um, looking at the cupful ratings or rankings, I see that Skinner is ranked right around Rope Hints and, and just above Kevin Fiala. And I would say I would be, I mean, I, I don't think it's shocking to say I'd be happy to cash in Skinner for either. Um, if you could get Skinner for Fiala straight up, I, I think that's a great deal. But I'd also be happy to, you know, maybe maybe with Hints, it might cost a, a depth piece to add to to get in Hints. But that might be something that, uh, you know, it, it feels like the owner or the the other team is getting a an upgrade elsewhere to kind of hold steady at that superstar level and i think long-term hints and fiala will both exceed skinner's uh, early season first quarter pace yeah that's interesting i wonder too if you might kind of you know drop a little poison in the ear of that hints owner about you know his uh, band-aid boy status and how you know he can be a frustrating own sometimes that might help your cause a little bit although they might be on to you if uh, you then offer them a trade not long after I think the Fiala thing is interesting. Do you think that Kevin Fiala has another like second half explosion in him now that he is with a new team? Like, could we still expect him to kind of, uh, you know, get things going really strong in the latter half of the season in LA? Yeah, I mean, I don't really see why he couldn't. I I guess I, if I'm looking at the numbers so far, we've talked about Fiala a little bit, and I do have some concerns about, I guess, just that the. There have been ebbs and flows in the shot rate, but right now he's shooting a ton again. He's back up on the top unit, uh, on the top power play and the top line with Kopitar and Kempe. I'm I'm more than happy. I'm not too worried about about Kevin Fiala. He's he's doing just fine so far, and as you know, he's already putting up a, a very solid early season pace. So yeah, I, I have no issues with. Uh, I, I'm not worried about Kevin Fiala. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I might. Uh, I feel like I would be more interested in the straight up swap for Fiala than I would be adding a piece for Hints. I, I do love having access to that power play. Uh, maybe I'm just feeling uh, I accused. Um, I accused Jason Robertson the other day of being very selfish with all of the unassisted goals that he's been getting lately. He's got to really uh, let his pals in on the action there. Uh, so maybe that's coloring my opinion of of a Hints deal, perhaps. Um, all right, I've got one more uh, cold streak here that I want to talk about, um, and we'll get to a couple more as we go forward. But I, I wanted to mention Chandler Stevenson. You know, we talked about him on a ridiculous hot streak where he had 10 points over the course of eight games, but could he be any colder? Stevenson has just one assist over the last six games, despite maintaining his outstanding line one power play one deployment with Eichel and Stone. Uh, and he, you know, has regressed back to his anemic shooting ways, just eight shots over that six game stretch. You know, I get that he's lined up with some snipers and obviously, you know, his role is sort of to dish to them. Um, but you know, it's not always super appealing when you're not getting the shots and you're not getting the scoring. He is at least providing some hits and blocks to avoid descending into that Rob Thomas zone of if he's not scoring, he's not doing anything for you. Uh, if you are holding Stevenson, I think you just got to hang on. You know, there are some signs that we're going to see things start to improve. There's no sense in cutting bait on a guy with consistently great deployment, uh, especially when a cold streak has sapped his value. He's just got one goal to show for his last 16 shots, uh, nothing for his last 11. Jack Eichel has just one goal on his last 27 shots. 
Uh, Stone has been fine, but, you know, uh, we're talking about Stevenson's job basically is to feed Eichel, right? So uh, once Eichel starts to even out and regress on his shooting, I think Chandler is going to at least be getting you some assists. So... Again, I think if you are the Stevenson owner, you got to hang in there. Um, but if you are looking at a Stevenson owner who maybe is struggling to tread water in their league, why not float them an offer and see if they're sick of waiting around for a, uh, that regression? Maybe think about offering Nick Paul, uh, who's been red hot on line two and power play two for Tampa uh, with five points and 10 shots in the last three games prior to Tuesday night. Uh, and 16 points over the previous 16 games. So he's been a great addition in Tampa, uh, and I thought he might be a guy, um, you know, if you are looking at someone who needs to see some production now uh, and who has been putting together some shots in a way that Stevenson has not been, maybe that's somebody that you can you can dangle and uh, might be appealing for that Stevenson owner. Yeah, I would definitely prefer Stevenson. It's tough to imagine. I think in most cases, people are are probably getting Nick Paul off the waiver wire. Um, and so it might just be a, a matter of waiting out. Chandler Stevenson, if if uh, and and the the manager who uh, who's maybe frustrated with him at this point. But yeah, I I always try to. I guess I just I struggle to see trades at that level. But if you're in a deep enough league, like it, it totally makes sense that you would uh, you might have an opportunity to to make that swap. So yeah, I think that that's uh, that's certainly one that I'd, I'd prefer to have Chandler Stevenson uh, for the rest of the season if I had to pick. Lewis, we are going to talk about several more players that are are on some interesting streaks. But first, we have to take a very quick break. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we are rolling on through our Trade Target Tuesday podcast. Uh, I'm going to... Oh, we should have said that right from the outset. Yeah, this <laughs> is a, a good one. <laughs> masterclass in branding. Uh, coming up with it halfway is actually really important and good. <laughs> I think it is I think it is very legitimately on brand for the pod, so mm-hmm. uh, I think it's perfect. Yes, exactly. And we'll forget about it if we ever choose to do this same <laughs> uh, format again. So yeah, this is these are the sacrifices we have to make to keep us uh, you know like an obscure thing that our listeners can can sort of get glean useful advice from without their friends figuring us out because we're we're just not organized enough to, <laughs> to gotta stay gotta stay weird and indie mm-hmm, exactly yeah we are uh, we're big proponents of the keep Austin weird movement that's for sure um, all right I'll get into a cold streak and this is a player we've talked about a couple times this year already uh, Hampus Linto over in Boston. 18 points in 21 games for a 70-point pace this year, but has now gone pointless for the last four. Uh, When things were going well for Hampus, we were talking about how he was still worth a hold even after McAvoy came back. He still looked like he was an option on the top power play, and it looked like, you know, even if the the Bruins chose to keep a a top five forward group on that top unit— Lindholm seemed like he was still outranking McAvoy in terms of power play time on ice. It looks like things are going back to the way we might have expected preseason. McAvoy is dominating the power play usage for defensemen. And what's interesting, I I think, with Lindholm is when you do look into the numbers, there's this very troubling looking uh, uh, flashing sign for regression, which is his 9% shooting, uh, shooting percentage. It's about three times too high for a defenseman. 
But it's really not that concerning to me in this case because we're talking about a player who has just four goals on the year anyway. So it's not like you're adding him or, or you're holding on to him because you're counting on him continuing to score. It's because you are hoping for some of those shots or some of those um you know, some of those touches to turn into assists. So, you know, if we're regressing the shooting percentage and we look at the fact that Lindholm is not likely to get too much uh, more run on the top power play, I think that we're talking about a player who could still be a 55 to 60 point defenseman assuming that the team in front of him continues to be as dominant as they've been. You know, we're not talking about a defenseman that is putting up a an incredible rate or an incredible pace and struggling to you know to keep up with sustainable metrics underlying uh, underlying metrics. We're talking about a defenseman who, for all intents and purposes, is looking pretty solid and pretty sustainable. So I don't think the gaudy point totals stick around, but I do think that we are looking at somebody who will finish you know among the highest non power play one point totals for defensemen. So if you're holding Lindholm, I'd be open to seeing if you can convince someone that you know just because he still does have that seventy point pace that you could you could take an underperforming early round defenseman off their hands like maybe a Mo Sider could be poachable still or or even a Chris Letang uh maybe a bit more um realistic i think what you would be hoping for in this case is getting like a a package deal of uh, two or three players going and and you're sort of sending Lindholm back in exchange for this defenseman and then hoping that you're getting a another upgrade elsewhere in the deal or you know not giving up too much of a downgrade because to me I think that those two guys I just mentioned are, are nice upgrades. Um, but if you're not able to find a, a D-man on the trade market who's putting up a 55-plus point pace, I really kind of want to preach caution with Lindholm. I, I don't think he's a, a terrible hold right now because he is continuing to see like 25 minutes a night. He's shooting and hitting a couple times a night anyway, and I think he's still going to put up really solid assist numbers. So playing for a great team, I think uh, – I think Hampus is a hold. Yeah, and the uh, the short shifts bump is for real because he just got a power play to assist there for anybody who is hanging around with him. So good on you, Hampus. I love it when you're doing it and uh, not just blasting me <laughs> when I'm up against him. <laughs> All right, well, uh, another player that we want to talk about, this time on the hot side of the equation, but back on the blue line, uh, is Justin Schultz. Uh, had a bit of production very early in the season uh, and later went on a streak of three points in 13 games and hit waiver wires across the platforms. But uh, if you've got the chance uh, to grab him, your window to pick him up for a stream may be closing. He had two goals and five assists, including two power play assists in the last five games. Uh, but if you do pick him up, I do kind of want to preach some caution here. I don't think you should necessarily be grabbing him, expecting that point parade to continue. It's just too much right now. Um, you know, great if he keeps it going, but it could really fall off at any time. He's on power play too, uh, although sometimes it can be hard to tell in Seattle. Uh, but he is seeing about 44, or sorry, 40% of the power play time on ice. Uh, and he still is shooting three times his even strength average from last year. Uh, at 8%, he's shooting hotter than any time in his career outside of his first two campaigns from 2012 to 2014 with Edmonton. Uh, and another red flag is his power play points participation, where he's way up at 71%, which would be his highest total uh, over the course of eight years. It may just be how important he is on his power play unit in Seattle. We don't really have any other data to compare him with uh, since he's been 
part of the Kraken organization. Um, but overall, I'm pretty cool on this hot streak. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him turn back into a pumpkin in short order, uh, especially just Seattle has been kind of on a scoring bonanza lately uh, that I also think is is probably a little unsustainable. He's obviously been reaping the benefit from it, um, but I would imagine that that starts to slow down a little bit too. Um I said this kind of jokingly, but, you know, why not shoot your shot and offer him for Victor Hedman? This really is just a way for me to open the door to talk about Hedman. I know that he was covered on the mega show, um, but, you know, this is a guy with one assist in the last nine games and counting uh, as they are in the third period here on Thursday. He's on power play, too, while Mikhail Sergachev is just stunting all over everyone uh, in his old spot. Uh, you know, maybe that Hedman owner is desperate enough to sell him for some and someone, anyone who is doing something positive from power play too. Um, I, I don't think that you'll really get a bite for this and you may, in fact, uh, insult the, the person that you're offering it to, but, uh, it did open the door to just talk about Hedman here a little bit. Uh, as a Hedman owner myself in Kakupful, I am feeling a little bit of that desperation. I turned out an offer from Elon to trade, uh, Latang, uh, for Hedman. And at the time, I was sort of like, uh, maybe he'll get his shot to be back on there. Now I'm starting to think it's either going to take an extended cold streak from Sergachev, uh, which, you know, is that really going to happen? Uh, or an injury for him to get his opportunity back. So that's not a, that's not a nice spot to be in, I suppose. Yeah, in a, in a way, you are the head man in, uh, in tier one of the Kakupful. And, uh, I would say you're, you're not too close to Victor E. <laughs> Yes, those are both uh, extremely true statements. Um, would you actually trade Hedman for, uh, like, you wouldn't trade him for Schultz? Schultz. Yeah, no, for no, I wouldn't. But I would, I would I, describe I, that as uh, trading Hedman for for Schultz is like trading him for peanuts. Right. Yeah. Because again, a guy who was widely available on waiver wires all over the place before this little outburst. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm not. I, I wouldn't take that super seriously. I just sort of saw it as a as a Way to, to crack the door open and get some Hedman talk in here for a second. All right, Lewis. I will. Uh, I'll tell you one more streak here for the show, and and we're sticking around Seattle. We're uh, we're we're sticking in the cold streaks, and we're we're sticking in Seattle or returning to cold streak. Uh, and this is one that came from uh, from friend of the show Ryan Downey on the Keeping Carlson uh, patron only Discord group. Ryan pointed out Seattle has scored 23 goals in the last five games, and Bjorkstrand has put up one goal and one assist in that span. Are we? Is it time to move on? Can we drop Oliver Bjorkstrand? Um, looking a bit further out, Bjorkstrand has four points in his last nine, pacing for just 43 points over a full season. Uh, if I'm being honest, I actually dropped Bjorkstrand in the Cupful last week. And as Ryan mentioned, it's been smooth sailing for me this week to, um, yeah, it's, I love dropping somebody who doesn't immediately go fuego. Um, when I do look into OBJ's numbers, there are two things that sort of jump out to me. Uh, the first is he is averaging nearly three shots per game this year, and he's only scoring on 3% of those chances. So that will go up. Uh, Bjorkstrand is a career 12% shooter. Um, and I think that he has a lot of potential on that front. We've seen that he can be a useful contributor, both in real life and in fantasy, um, even from, you know, a middle six role. So I don't think that this is something where Bjorkstrand is necessarily, um, you know, I don't think we necessarily have to leave him for dead. Um, but also I think at 
this moment, he is definitely a snoozer, uh, really not getting any opportunity to shine in Seattle, averaging less than 16 minutes a game, uh, which is the lowest he's seen since he broke out in 2019-20. And he's only played in 12 minutes, four of the last five games. So, you know, when you're looking at a player who's ice cold, getting bottom six ice time and power play two opportunity, not really a player that I'm holding in hopes of finding a trade, unfortunately. Um, if you find someone offering anything, I think I'm I'm okay to take that for Bjorkstrand. It's just, yeah, to me, he is a drop. Uh, but yes, if you are a, a trade king like our good pal Cousin Dave, uh, go forth and, and find yourself something for OBJ. But I think for for those of us in 10, 12, and, and even 14 team leagues at this point, uh, you're better off cutting bait rather than than holding on in, in hopes of finding something. Uh, and, you know, if he does move back up the, the roster, I don't think that anything is set in stone in Seattle. Um, I think you could, uh, I think he's worth keeping an eye on, keeping on that uh, watch list. But for now, I, I'm not really holding out hope of Bjorkstrand suddenly turning things around. Um, which I do also feel is the cue for him to score four uh, in the next game. But anyway, short of short of the anti-jinx, I, that is my my true advice when it comes to OBJ. Yeah, keeping that eye out, I think for for a change in situation, I think is really good because I do love the shots. That's something that's always been really appealing about him. And like you said, he's due for some regression, but it's going to take a move up the lineup before I'm going to be confident that he's really going to be able to be uh, more productive than we've seen from him uh, with this current deployment. Like it, you know, it seems like the natural result of kind of being down in the depths of of the Kraken lineup. Absolutely, uh, yeah, it's not Kraken over in Seattle. Well, for, for one player. Everyone else is doing fine. <laughs> all right, Lewis. That's all the time that we have for tonight. Uh, I want to thank everyone who tuned in on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Keeping Carlson. Follow us over there. We're having a great time. Lewis is uh, decked out with several of our favorite all-time Pokemon. Um, and yeah, uh, Lewis, it was great to see you again after uh, we had a bit of time apart last week. And I'm, I'm just very happy to, uh, to be back in the booth and looking forward to another week of shows with you. Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be my first Thursday show in a couple weeks uh, when it comes around. So uh, very much looking forward to it. Always a pleasure uh, to get to chat with you, talk some fantasy hockey. Best of luck in your week. And uh, we'll do it all again in a couple days. Thanks so much for joining us. Please be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK. You can, of course, find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme is at NHL Stream Scheme. Also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL, all organized so nicely at the site GameDayLineTweets.com. Uh, visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.